Welcome to the Radiant Church Podcast. I'm glad you're here. Grab a Bible or open up your favorite Bible app as we get into God's Word together. Hey, Radiant family, hope you have your Bibles because we're going to dive right on into 1 John chapter 4. Uh, we've been walking through the book of 1 John for several months now, and we are nearing the end. And so you're going to start to hear some of these themes begin to repeat. Um, so we're going to be in 1 John chapter 4 and see if any of this sounds familiar to you as I read the first three verses. Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in this world. This is how we know if they have the spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, That person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here. Um, Today, I want to talk for just a few moments on the topic of you're listening, but do you hear me? You're listening, but do you hear me? Let me pray. Father, God, I just thank you for this opportunity to just rally around your word. God, I pray in hearts and homes all around the city, God, you would speak to us through your word. I pray that you would challenge us where we need to be challenged, that you would humble us where we are haughty. I pray that you would encourage us where we are low. But I pray that your word would bring us to the foot of the cross. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Uh, Maybe you grew up in a household like mine where mom or dad had always these really catchy one-liners. Tell me if you know this one. Don't talk to me like I'm one of your little friends. Right. If Bobby jump off a bridge, you're going to jump off a bridge. And so I grew up in a household where my mom always had a quick one liner. My dad always had something to say. And we kind of grew up saying those things. Uh, One of the ones that I heard a lot was, I know you're listening, but do you hear me? I know you're listening, but do you hear me? Because our ears were open. Yes. And me as a child, I would have to be told the same thing over and over and over again because I just didn't get it the first time. And so finally, my parents and others who had an invested interest in my growth finally looked at me and said, I know you're listening because you had ears on your head and God has given you the ability to hear. So I know you're listening, but do you hear me? The distinction being just listening to the words versus actually applying what you hear. And so we find ourselves where I believe the author, John, is doing the same thing. He's beginning to almost repeat himself just a little bit because he's asking the question, you're listening, but do you hear me? And we see that right in 1 John chapter 4 is almost exactly what he was saying earlier in 1 John chapter 2 about the spirit of the Antichrist seeking to deceive the believers. And he's going to circle back to that topic because he's asking the question, you're listening, but do you hear me? Now, uh, this, this chapter, we're going to look at the whole thing, uh, verses 1 through 21. But this first part, just the first uh, you know, six or so verses, really talks about how we as believers are to guard our hearts. Because one of the marks of a genuine believer is embracing truth. One of the marks of a genuine believer is embracing truth. But with so much deception out there, with so many lies out there, how are we to know what truth sounds like? The word of God has an answer for us. Verse two, this is how we know 
if they, those speaking on behalf of God, have the spirit of God. If that person claims to be a prophet and acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the spirit of God. You see, uh, the author of 1 John is writing to a particular case of a group of people called cessationists. And this group of people no longer believed the gospel story. They really didn't believe that Jesus really died on the cross. They really didn't believe that Jesus really rose from the dead. Um, They thought he was a good moral teacher, but that the Christians got it a little bit wrong. They're taking it a little bit too far. Um, And although that may not be as common of an idea in some circles, it's still one of the realities is that there are so many religions out here. There are so many false doctrines out there. There are so many people claiming to be prophets. Come on now. Y'all know uh, we listen. We see the the clips on YouTube and Facebook and TikTok of these really great 15 second one liners from people claiming to be an apostle, bishop, such and such. And, you know, prophet Elijah, Muhammad, such and such. That has not gone away from Bible time to now. There are still people claiming to speak on behalf of God. But how are we to know rather than them just being powerful communicators rather than them just being uh, people who are gifted in storytelling and connecting with the hearts of his hearers? How are we to know beyond the rhetorical flourishes who's telling the truth? And if you grew up in Sunday school, you know that the answer to any question is always Jesus. Yes. And even as an adult, uh, the answer is still always now Jesus. Look again what it says. Verse three. If someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist. Now, once again, when you hear that word Antichrist, don't think revelations just yet. Think about those who are opposing the work of Jesus, those who are opposing the work of Jesus in our lives and those who oppose the work of Jesus, the church. And so there are many people who are in opposition to Jesus's work in our lives and in opposition to Jesus's work in the church. And the Bible would call those people anti-Christ. And so the mark of a true prophet, the mark of someone who claims to be speaking on behalf of the Lord is someone who acknowledges Jesus Christ. Now, what does that mean? I, I, I'm going to talk about your favorite preacher for just a little bit for a time, right? Uh, I'm going to talk about some of the, the folks online because I think sometimes we in this internet culture, we are easily swayed by clips of communicators who say what we want to hear. I think I might say that again. Uh, sometimes we are easily swayed by short clips from communicators saying what we want them to hear. Uh, your, your favorite preacher or, or podcaster or online sermon personality, that person talking about relationships, that person talking about the haters in your life, that person talking about God putting people in your life and God taking people out of your life and, and all God talking about the provision that God's going to grant you in the new year and all these things may be good and right and true. But if you're listening, you should keep listening for, OK, where are you going to connect the person and work of Jesus? At some point in every sermon and every person who says I'm talking on behalf of God, they should get to Jesus and not just the Jesus who's there for you, but the Jesus who is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And because to acknowledge Jesus isn't just to do lip service to Jesus and put him at the end of the sermon during the altar call. No, that anybody who speaks on behalf of the Lord should be pointing to you to have a vibrant relationship with the living God. So I know that pastor talks about relationships and you like it. 
I know that pastor talks about politics and you like it. I know that pastor talks about all the social issues of the day and you like it. And it may be good, right and true. But anyone who says they're speaking on behalf of God, you should keep listening. After all that is said, after all that is done, you should keep listening to say, "Okay, how is Jesus at the center of this conversation? How is Jesus at the center of this talk on relationships? How is Jesus at the center of this talk on politics? How is Jesus at the center of this talk about all these social evils, ills and opportunities? How is Jesus at the center? That's what differentiates preaching those who communicate on behalf of God from a really cleverly designed TED talk. Now, I love TED talks. I wish we would listen to more. You can find incredible information in TED Talks. But anyone who's speaking on behalf of the Lord or anyone who's claiming to speak on behalf of the Lord, me or anyone else, you should receive from them more than a TED Talk, more than a life application, more than how to be a better spouse, more than how to be a better parent, more than how to be a better business owner. You should receive more from them than that. You should receive the clarity of the communication about the person and work of Jesus and how that can change you into be a better spouse and how that can change you into be better, all those other things. But at the nourishment seat, at the root of it all, you should find Jesus. If anyone claims to be a prophet, if that person acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, verse two, that person has the spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person, listen carefully, is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist. Do you see how clear that John is trying to make it right now? He's not saying that he's an unhelpful prophet. He's not saying that he's an uneducated prophet. He's not saying any of those things. He's saying that he's a false prophet. And a false prophet, no matter how well-intentioned or how well-meaning or matter how personally helpful, is always working against the true call of Jesus Christ, the true church, and therefore an anti-Christ. So, dear brothers and sisters, man, as you wade through the Internet waters and there are so many good resources online, so many good preachers and podcasts and video series on the Bible and theology and how to love one another and how to follow God through these hard times. There are so many good resources. But one of the ways that we can differentiate between what is good, right and true between what is just good to us in the moment is at some point is the person that I'm listening to getting to Jesus. At some point, are they just not going to sprinkle Jesus on the end of the sermon and call it a day? But at some point, are they going to say the very nourishment and lifeblood of obedience, of transformation, of all the things that they've been talking about? At some point, is Jesus going to make an appearance? Uh, speaking with a uh, pastor friend of mine just the other day. And he says, for, for most people, Jesus isn't someone they have a relationship with. Jesus is just a friend of a friend. For most people, uh, especially even in church, they don't necessarily have a relationship with Jesus. Jesus is just a friend of a friend. 
And the goal of anyone who declares, thus saith the Lord, the goal of anyone who speaks on behalf of God should be to introduce people to Jesus, not just to the principles of biblical living, not just to principles of godly husbands and wives, not just to the principles, but to the man himself so that Jesus becomes more than a friend of a friend. He becomes a friend in the time of need. He becomes a help when no one else is around. He becomes something real to you, not just a friend of someone that you are friends with. Not just a distant cousin that you've heard great things about, but know a true and living God who is also willing to be the friend of sinners like you and I. Family, that is why John is drawing this hard line. That's why he's almost being a little bit harsh, it seems, calling those people who are not making Jesus the center of their ministry and the center of their teaching, the Antichrist. That's why he is so passionate about this, because he's saying if Jesus isn't at the center, not only is it unhelpful, it's destructive. Do you hear that? Verse three, such a person has the spirit of the antichrist, of the one who is seated in the place of desolation, the one who's going to oppose God in eternity. The person who doesn't put Jesus at the center of their ministry is doing the same thing that the antichrist is doing. It's unseating Jesus from the throne and putting maybe even good things in its place. Let's not do that, family. Family, let's be a people who are able to rightly discern the spirits. Let's be a people who are able to rightly discern truth from error. Let's be a people who are able to rightly discern a relationship with religion. And the difference is not how eloquent the communicator is, not how applicable it is to your life. Even the difference is, is Jesus at the center of this truth? Because if Jesus is not at the center of this truth, then no matter how pleasant it sounds, no matter how useful it is, the Bible would say it has the spirit. It has the aroma of the Antichrist. It has the aroma of the one who will oppose Jesus forever. Because let me, let me be clear. And then we're going to we're going to get to the last few verses and I'm going to get out your way. Let me be clear about this. The enemy the Antichrist, that the spirit is the word of God is talking about right now. The enemy, Satan, he, he doesn't necessarily mind if you're a good spouse. He doesn't necessarily mind if you're a good parent. He doesn't necessarily mind that you open a business or finish that book or accomplish great things and stamp Jesus' name on it. He doesn't mind us loving each other, being nice to other people. He doesn't mind any of those things. The thing that the Satan is working furiously against is us knowing loving and obeying Jesus. Because if we know Jesus, we will love Jesus. And if we love Jesus, we will obey Jesus. And if we obey Jesus, we will actually become more like Jesus. And that spirit of the Antichrist is opposed to him, is opposed to Christ, not just Jesus to Christ himself, but anyone who would seek to follow in his footsteps, a.k.a. you and I, the church. And so that's what he's opposed. He's not opposed to happiness. He's not opposed to peace. He's not opposed to all those things. He's opposed to Jesus, to Christ in you, in me, and in eternity. And so let's be clear that we are following not just good and helpful teaching, but make sure that we are following Jesus and his truth. Then verses 7 through 20 
should be exceedingly familiar because it's all about love again. You see, he's reminding us before we start getting in the comments on some of these videos and said, see, I knew he was a false teacher. See, before we do all that, the word of God is going to apply the brakes right now before you get riled up and, and text your cousin to leave that church and all those other things. The Bible is going to tell us, calm it on down, because the true mark of the believer isn't just discerning truth from a lie. It's also, verse seven, continuing to love one another for love comes from God. And anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God for God is love. You see how the Bible restrains us, family? Like, even when we want to do the right thing, the Bible said, no, do the right thing in the right way. Yes, you want to fight against heresy. You want to fight against lies and deception. Good. Use the tools of love to do it. Don't use anger. Don't use being petty. Don't use being spiteful. Don't use tearing down other people because they do ministry different or you think they're falling into error. No, the weapons of our warfare are always spiritual. And we don't got the option. We don't got the option to fight with any other weapon, to fight in any other way other than to represent and to reflect the love of God. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Pastor, you've been talking about love a lot. Last week is about loving one another. Week before was about loving one another. Week before was about loving one another. It seems like the book of First John is all about love. And if that's what you're thinking, you are absolutely right. Because the question John is asking is you're listening. But did you hear me? Oh, no, 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 no. I, I know you heard me say love one another last week, but did you hear me? Uh, would, would, your, would your spouse say that you heard me? Would your coworkers say that you heard me? Would the people that you're driving in traffic with on I-26 say that you heard me? Come on now. See, we, we know these things, but we ain't really living it yet. And so John and the word of God is going to keep bringing it to us until we actually hear what we're listening to. Love is non-negotiable. Let me skip down just for the sake of time to verse 17 and 18. First John chapter four, verse 17 and 18 says it this way. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear. Because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he first loved us. Family, I want to end here in this moment because this shows what perfect love or perfected love, love taken to its fullest end. What does it look like? Love perfected is the love of God towards us. Love perfected is so powerful, it leaves no room for fear. So for the believer, my challenge for you today is to perfect your love for others by experiencing God's perfected love for you. You see, those things are intimately connected. Did you catch it? As we live in God, verse 17, our love grows more perfect. As we live in God, our love grows more perfected. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. That love, verse 18, has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. Here's the takeaway, family. 
Here's the takeaway. We know truth from lie because Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. That's how we are able to discern what is true from what is just sounds true. But we also know love. Not necessarily because we've experienced it in our marriages, not necessarily because we experienced it from our natural mother and father, not necessarily because we've experienced it from our friends and family and loved ones, because that may be your story. That may not be your story, but you don't love others with the love that you've received from others. You love others with the love you received from God. So no matter what your background story is, no matter what your story is with your parents, with your spouse, with your family, with your friends, no matter what story you may have, and no matter how lacking you may feel the love has been in your life, if you know God, you can know love. If you know him and allow his life to penetrate your life, to allow his love to wash over your story, you will be able to love others with a perfected love because now in God you have experienced perfected love. We're going to keep saying it until we believe it. We're going to keep saying it until you hear it. We're going to keep saying it until you begin to walk in the truth of it because as John says, You're listening, but are you hearing me? You're listening, but do you hear me that no matter what you've experienced, whether you've been overwhelmed with the love from your family, friends and loved ones in your life growing up, or you have felt in a deficit of love because of those relationships, no matter where your starting point is, God is able to perfect love in us as we experience his love. And therefore, we are able to give to others that perfected love. Not because maybe we had the best upbringing, not because we had the best family of origin. Maybe that's true. Maybe that's not. But because all of us in Christ Jesus have God as our father and his love for us overwhelms us. His love for us transforms us. His love for us is so pure and holy and righteous that when we stand face to face with the King of kings and the Lord of lords and all of glory is in front of us, there won't be an ounce of fear in our bones. There won't be a shred of doubt in our hearts. It will just be joy. Because that's what God's love does for us. It is so confident. It is so solid that there's no room for doubt. There's no room for fear. And this is the love that we have access to. And therefore, this is the love that others who know us should have access to through our lives. Family, the themes of 1 John are repeating for a reason. Because we hear these words, but do we hear these words? We listen to these sermons, but are we really applying them, these truths to our heart? We read these pages in the book, but do we really have the faith to trust and believe everything that God is saying? That's the challenge for us today. And uh, for some of us, the challenge will be to receive God's love. The the challenge for some of us might be, does God really love us the way that he says that he loves us? Does he really know what he's getting? Does he really know who I am? Does he really know what I've done? And I promise you the answer is yes, is yes. And yet he still calls us sons and daughters. For others of us, we have received the perfected love of God. And yet it's so hard to be patient and loving with others. It's so hard to to show that love for others, or maybe we've tried to show that love for others and it's just been spit back in our face. 
It's just been used to hurt us and to the other's advantage. And we have almost given up that loving people this way is even possible. Whether you struggle to believe God loves you the way that he says that he does, or you struggle to believe that God calls us to love others the way that he says that he does, all of us should find both a challenge and an encouragement in these words. Such love has no fear. This shows that we have fully experienced God's perfect love. Verse 19, we love each other because he first loved us. Family, the love of God is available to us and the love that we show others should be a reflection of it. And the word of God is going to keep reminding of this every week and every day. And I pray the Lord would pierce our hearts in the mornings when we go to work, while we're in traffic, when somebody steps on our toes and hurts our feelings. I pray the Lord would bring these scriptures back up because at the end of the day, uh, I know you're listening, but the word of God is asking, do you hear me? Let me pray for us now. Father, God, I thank you for your word to teach us, to instruct us, to encourage us. God, I pray that we would all take a step of faith today. Maybe that step is to believe that you love us the way that you say that you do. Maybe that step today is the call of obedience to love each other the way that you call us to. God, I pray that we, by your spirit's power, because of the love that we have received through Jesus Christ, not just on the cross, but every day of our lives since then, that love that we have experienced, that love perfected in us would go down deeper into our hearts and show itself in our words, our attitudes, and our actions. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining our family in North Charleston as we heard God's word preached today. We would love to connect with you. You can find us online on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Send us a message to learn more about what Radiant Church is doing or support the vision of Radiant Church at radiantcharleston.com giving.